0: Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, a special audio bonus edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast on this Saturday. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having an outstanding start to your weekend. Obviously, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz on Twitter, myself at SCC, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app free on all platforms of course also find us on youtube hit that subscribe button on there we'll be back to our normal youtube schedule every day next week but wanted to break down you know some fun happenings from this past week obviously also my name's sean coleman if you're a new listener to the show thank you for tuning in if you've been with us for a while thank you for being along for the ride i'm a credentialed media member with the grizzlies have been covering the grizzly for four years over at grizzly bear blues when it comes to my riding and right here at lock on Grizzlies when it comes to the podcast. But wanted to, you know, the big news happening, obviously, of the week was John ja Morant being named the All Star starter. And I gave my thoughts on that on yesterday's episode. But some other fun developments for the Grizzlies, both on and off the court, that I felt was going to be pretty fun to talk about. In this episode, obviously the Grizzlies, who you know, can coming in to Wednesday's game. So let's 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 go back to last weekend, right? The Grizzlies played against the Dallas Mavericks, and they unfortunately lost one hundred four to ninety one. If you want to call it a schedule loss, it, it pretty much was that. Uh, that's basically what it came down to with the fact that the Grizzlies unfortunately had had a a, a wave of COVID come away and take take away a lot of their perimeter, uh, their best perimeter players, other than John Morant, um, a Dallas Mavericks team that playing very well right now, whose defensive schemes and strengths certainly do present a challenge to the Grizzlies, and so the Grizzlies get past that Sunday game. I believe that they had, that meant that they had lost three of their last four, um, if, if I remember correctly, but they go into Wednesday's game against the Spurs, having two days off, and Memphis goes into that game where the Spurs had come off a, a pretty good performance against the Houston Rockets. You know, 38 assists, 82 points in the paint on Tuesday nights for the Rockets, but the Grizzlies come into that game, and you're after two days off, You know they're motivated, you know they're ready to go again, and that's exactly what they did. And then, obviously, they get that victory on uh, Wednesday night, and then, obviously, last night, they're able to get another big victory over the Utah Jazz, 118-110. to Now, obviously, I I can completely understand if you... Come away from the fact that, yes, the Jazz last night certainly were shorthanded, but at the end of the day, the Grizzlies, just like Jaron Jackson Jr. had mentioned in in last night's post-game press conference, they're just there to win every game. And at the end of the day, if you want to take away, you know, there have been arguments all year long when it comes to the Grizzlies playing against the NBA's best in which they've, you know, the Grizzlies are one of the best teams in the league when it comes to having good results against the NBA's best. But some may want to point out that in some of those games, the Grizzlies opposition may not have their best players. Well, for one, in a lot of those games also, the Grizzlies themselves aren't at full strength. But the other thing is, is that at the end of the day, the point is to win. And the Grizzlies are doing that more than these other teams, and they're doing it on a consistent basis because they're continuing to be able to go to the well that presents them consistent success, and that is them being able to score in the paint. And that's really what has stood out over the past several over the past two games 62 points against the Spurs 66 points against the Utah Jazz but the other thing that really stands out about this strategy for the Grizzlies is that number one they're preventing their opposition in both the Spurs and the Jazz from being able to shoot the three yes the Jazz made 17 threes last night but it was on 46 attempts the Grizzlies you know the, the Jazz made their threes they they're going to make threes but because they shot so many of them there were several low-possession opportunities that the Jazz were forced into taking because the Grizzlies' defense was playing well, that the Grizzlies traded away threes by being able to get more high-percentage shots than the Jazz and thus, obviously, were able to make nine more overall shots, which was the difference in the game. But the key to it is is that the reason why the Grizzlies, who in back-to-back games also have done fairly well, or at least here recently, have not been taking as many threes but have been a bit more accurate from three. When it, the Grizzlies themselves, when it comes to their approach, the reason why they're doing that is because as they've been without their best shooting talents and they're trying to get them back into the fold You know, over the past several games, the Grizzlies have really heavily relied on scoring in the paint. And even if the turnovers and the offensive rebounds are not there, the other thing that the Grizzlies have done is not only have they been scoring in the paint, But they also have been doing a better job of getting foul calls to get to the line. Whether that's John Morant starting to get as many and mentioned superstar calls or the Grizzlies just trusting their ability to get to the rim and having the aggressiveness to finish, even if the shot doesn't go in, to get enough of a finish to get a foul called. The Grizzlies have had 40 free throw attempts against um, the Nuggets. I believe that they had 24 against the Spurs and then 26 last night against the Utah Jazz. I may have got the 26 and the 24 mixed up. But my point is... Is that the Grizzlies are starting, and this is a byproduct of a lot of John ja Morant, but also Jaron Jackson Jr. Both players have had multiple games this month. John ja Morant, several games this month, where they've had ten or more free throws. But the Grizzlies are starting to become, they're starting to evolve in doing a better job. Of getting Not only getting into the lane to find their shot, led by John Morant and others, but also even if the shot's not there, the Grizzlies are doing a better job with aggressiveness of drawing fouls and thus getting to the free throw line. And I asked Taylor Jenkins about that earlier this week. I asked him back when they beat the Nuggets about the fact that the Grizzlies only had 19 assists in that game, but... They had, but they, in three wins against the Nuggets this year, one of the big reasons why the Grizzlies have been able to win those games is due to their self-creation, and part of that equation is the confidence that the Grizzlies roster has beyond John Morant, I'm talking Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and others, beyond the overall improvement of John Morant, the roster as a whole has improved their resourcefulness and their confidence when it comes to creating their own shot, and that's leading to perhaps a bit of a regression in assists, but also more effective dribble drive games, more effective shot creation, and now we're starting to see a byproduct of all that is more fouls being generated and and thus more free throw attempts. Now, obviously, as I've mentioned, the Grizzlies need to make more free throws, but If they're a team that's struggling from the free throw line, getting more quantity in the free throw department because the Grizzlies are becoming better at attacking the rim and drawing fouls, that is certainly a very good development. So from a team aspect and from a scheme aspect, the Grizzlies' resourcefulness of not only scoring You know, points in the paint, you know, in general on the surface level, but also becoming more consistent at drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line, that is certainly a development that has helped them win games as they've been without their best shooters. And hopefully if that stays there, that as the Grizzlies get Tyus and they get Desmond and others back, the ability to score in the paint plus the ability to get to the free throw line, that will open up more shots from three that the Grizzlies will be able to hit. But of course, from an individual standpoint, the other thing that stands out is that we saw it in that Milwaukee game in the third quarter. Yes, the Grizzlies lost that game, but we saw Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Moran as a duo take over that game for a stretch of it in the third quarter offensively. Well, against the Spurs and now against the Jazz, the two best players on the defensive end of the court and the offensive end of the court in both games, on the defensive end was Jaron Jackson Jr., who has had six blocks in the past two games. He, he's, he's the only, he's, he, his back-to-back six-block games, he's the first person to do that since 2014 when Anthony Davis did it. But John Morant, 40 points against the, 41 points against the Spurs, and then the first 30-point triple-double in franchise history against the uh, the Jazz. You've seen back-to-back games, folks, you've seen back-to-back games where Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best player, the most impactful defender on either team on the court, and John Moran is clearly the most impactful offensive player of either team on the court. The more consistently that happens, obviously, the more likely it is that the Grizzlies are going to win. But the fact that this team, that the Grizzlies are seeing it happen in back-to-back games, that Jaw and Jaren are having that level of impact in back-to-back games where Jaron's the best defender and Jaw's the best offensive player, that's a good combination that leads to wins. And though the Grizzlies have won in several different ways this year, if the Grizzlies can start more frequently winning because of that reason, that's the type of development, that's the type of continued evolution that really is starting to take you from a sustainable winder, winner to potential fringe contender. That type of development is what will win playoff games, with Jaron being the most impactful defender, if not for the whole game, over significant stretches, and Ja being the most impactful offensive player. So two impressive wins, even if they were games the Grizzlies were supposed to win. The way the Grizzlies did it, even without some of their, you know, more utilized rotation pieces, it's impressive, and you're especially excited about the fact that that the Grizzlies are starting to get to the free throw line more, or free throw line more, and you're now seeing Jaw and Jaron put together whole games, where they're the most impactful defender in Jaron's case and the most impactful offensive player in Jaw's case. But the other things to talk about from this week aren't what happened on the court, but a little bit of news rumbling when it comes to the Grizzlies' potential outlook for this trade deadline and beyond. We'll look at that in just a moment. But as I talk about when it comes to Jaw and Jaron, the more confident that the Grizzlies can bet on Ja being the best offensive player, Jared being the best defensive player in games, the better their chances are going to be able to win. Well, you certainly love those type of odds if you enjoy betting and wagering on sport. And while I can't sit here and give you that good of an odds, on bets in general, I can tell you where to go to where the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all the sports action you love is betonline.ag. Again, if you go to the new and updated website, put in the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And you can bet on the NFL, NHL, NBA, whatever you choose to bet on, betonline is the place for you to get it done. Go to betonline.ag today to discuss all things, to look at all things when it comes to betting and wagering on sports. Can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But want to remind you the Locked On NFL Podcast Network certainly is alive and well with Championship Sunday tomorrow. And obviously, the major news before Championship Sunday, though, nothing is official. Obviously, the news now that it seems as if the retirement of NFL great Tom Brady is imminent. And plus, so many futures of so many teams still on the line with coaching changes, personnel changes, what have you. After making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day, for whatever NFL team is your favorite, check out the Locked on NFL podcast team show of your choice as your second listen of the day. So, of course, yesterday... The Grizzlies, you know, obviously everybody's still excited as can be. That video of John Morant entering the FedEx Forum the day after it was announced he was an all-star starter, the camaraderie, just the overall reaction was unbelievable to see from Taylor Jenkins, the staff, and players as well. That certainly was a great moment to see as well. But another newsworthy item that came across from um, NBA uh, reporting legend himself, one of the best writers, reporters, insiders over the past quarter, century, and beyond, in the NBA, Mark Stein, was in regards to the Grizzlies, one of the few, you know, tidbits that we have received this offseason to kind of get a timeline, you know, a few weeks ago. Uh, Adrian Woj-, Woj, again, I'm horrible with names, but Woj himself on the NBA Today show on ESPN, he had mentioned that it would seem as if the, Gri- or the Grizzlies certainly do love their roster and it would take something pretty specific to, for them to get dramatic at the trade deadline. Well, yesterday, Mark Stein came out and basically reported the same thing. The Grizzlies are certainly looking for wing depth. And we've known that for a while. We've known that the Grizzlies certainly would love to probably add another reliable wing, not necessarily a starter, but, you know, another reliable wing that probably is under contract beyond this year. While the Grizzlies, though, are looking for that wing depth, they don't want to do anything to in any way, shape, or form impact their summer flexibility. And let's go back even further a bit, you know, because we talk about, you know, we talk about Jeremy Grant, we talk about um, uh, Harrison Barnes, we talk about these other players who are owed a significant payday beyond this year. Listen, those players are certainly fits that make sense for the Grizzlies roster, but this Grizzlies team is the team that made sure to put an emphasis on after they made the Steven Adams and after they made the uh, Eric Bledsoe trade, they made the move to move off Eric Bledsoe so that they would not have to pay the $4.9 million to, move, uh, to get off of the last year of his contract after this season. They instead moved some pieces around to where that money would no longer be owed. Now, from that point of view, it seems to indicate that the Grizzlies certainly want to have as as, as small an amount of money as on the books as possible going into next year. But for me, I think that the even bigger thing is, is that the Grizzlies want to make sure that if they do have any commitments that are out there, it's not necessarily that beyond what the Grizzlies have after that Steven Adams trade, it's not necessarily that they didn't want to have anything else at all to commit to, they didn't want to have any other dollars that they had to commit beyond the players that they were already paying in the wins, in the uh, Eric Bledsoe situation, it was simply the fact that they didn't want to have to pay $4.9 million on next year's salary to a source that was not going to contribute to this roster. So what I'm getting at is, is that when it talks about the fact that the Grizzlies certainly want to remain flexible for this offseason, I don't necessarily think that that means that they're against adding money. I just feel that it means that if they're going to add to what's already in place for next year when it comes to the payroll, they're going to make sure that it's going to be money that's allocated towards something that's going to return value for them. And when it comes to wing depth, those type of you know sources of value that the Grizzlies could add for this year and beyond, they're the Kenrich Williams, perhaps the you know Justin Holliday's. I had thrown out there the idea of a Kyle Kuzma who the Grizzlies will see tonight, but I don't think the Grizzlies get that big. When when it comes to their potential moves. But of course, you know, the other thing that stands out is, is that, you know, perhaps there's the idea, and Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian astutely and logically pointed this out. What if the Grizzlies were to take money that, you know, a big part of it that's already committed to to next year and put it in a different type of form for the summer? Yes, they they could do a trade where they add money, you know, that they'll have to commit to for next year, but instead it's done now for it to be available over the summer for the Grizzlies to use in a trade. And In Chris Harrington's example, he had talked about. D'Anthony Melton, and Jarrett Culver in exchange for um, um, Eric Gordon of the Rockets. He checks the boxes of being someone that can help the Grizzlies now with his shooting, but also certainly could be an attractive money-matching trade asset and a bigger deal that the Grizzlies may pull off this offseason. I can understand the logic in that, but that to me again is the Grizzlies maybe getting a bit too, uh, being a bit too creative For what they need to do. In other words, I, you know, I talked about Melton potentially being a trade piece on Friday, but I don't think it makes sense, in my opinion, at least, for Melton to be used to where the benefit that the Grizzlies get back are just simply a more expensive trade piece that they can use in a trade. I think that the Grizzlies would rather keep Melton and make sure that either he can be used in a trade himself to a rebuilding team who Melton I think would have value going towards. In a deal where the Grizzlies, you know, get a significant talent back and Melton goes back as an attractive trade piece as an attractive part of the trade package that goes elsewhere. Or, if Melton's not used in a trade, then he is a very affordable, you know, source of value for the Grizzlies as a def piece moving forward. So I do do understand where if the Grizzlies were to get like an Eric Gordon or if they were to get a Kyle Kuzma or, you know, a, a, a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes, Barnes, so on and so forth, the Grizzlies could get that type of player for this year to make a run, but then could also still have those players be valuable enough to be a part of a trade in the offseason. I just don't know if the Grizzlies are going to go that route right now, though especially since they haven't even gotten to see the best version of themselves for more than 100 minutes this season. So that's what I'm getting at. There's sensible ways where the Grizzlies could do something significant, yet remain, yet have their flexibility remain in the summer for them to make that big trade that you know would be that all-in type move for them to take the step towards contention. But I don't think they do that type of move now. And I don't think that the Grizzlies are really looking to move off pieces now, to move off pieces of their young future now, to get a significant piece that they could just sit there and trade. In the offseason. I think that that would probably be would probably be too creative. And also, in my opinion, I think that that probably would get away from the way that Zach Kleiman and the front office have operated in the past. And also, you know, you're honoring the Grizzlies success that they've had for their roster themselves. So just from those comments from Mark Stein, they could be taken in a variety of different ways. I do think that the Grizzlies are open to the idea of adding salary beyond what is already owed to next year, especially when you consider the fact that they're likely going to need to have another reliable option or two to fill rotation minutes if players were to walk this offseason or through a trade. The Grizzlies probably don't want to rely only on, you know, first or second or third year players. They'll want a few veterans for next year, a lot like Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson are this year. If one or both of them were to walk, well, I could see the Grizzlies adding a piece at this trade deadline that would kind of step into the roles next year. So the things that I got from, you know, what Woj reported a few weeks ago, as well as what Mark Stein reported yesterday, is it makes logical sense. The Grizzlies really do, obviously, Favor and they're invested in Zaire Williams development on the wing, but they also want to improve their ability to have a reliable wing option that they could have, especially if they were to run into injuries beyond this year. So, I do think the Grizzlies are open to the idea of adding salary. I do think that it's smart for them to focus on wing depth, someone that they could, you know, have be a part of the rotation in whatever shape that is this year but could step into a bigger role next year like a Kenrich Williams or a Justin Holiday. But the Grizzlies are not giving up anything of real significance to acquire those pieces. I just think at the end of the day, what stands out to me the most about the timeline of comments that we've seen so far when it comes to the Grizzlies and the trade deadline, they're open to the idea of making trades. They're open to the idea because they do want to get a bit more certainty for now and into the future when it comes to the wing position. But that for right now, that does not mean... And they're, even though they're open to salary, I think they're more open on a smaller scale. I don't think that the Grizzlies are really looking to trade any significant part of their rotation right now. And I don't think that they're looking to make some type of all-in or, you know, move that significantly changes the look of the roster. I just don't think the Grizzlies are in that market at the moment. But one other thing I'll leave you with is this. Is just because, again, just because that type of deal does not occur now. That does not mean that the framework or the discussions, the talks with other teams to gouge interest, to see who might be available this summer, those are likely going on now as well. Those type of talks are likely going on right now. And it helps the Grizzlies get an idea of who potentially could be available in the summer and what it would potentially take to get those type of players. And I think it also is an indication that if the Grizzlies, you know, they want to pursue and they want to take advantage of their position that they're in as third in the West, I do feel that even if the Grizzlies are there and they want to strengthen their team to fully try to take advantage of that this year, but yet they're not wanting to make the big move, I think that that could be an indicator that the Grizzlies have gotten some encouraging or positive indicators that a type of big move that they do feel is certainly worth making, the likelihood of that happening could be better in this offseason than we may think. Again, I'm not saying anything, uh, this is just pure speculation. But we've seen this Grizzlies front office, we've seen indications that talks that they have at trade deadlines, even though trades don't happen, talks that they have at trade deadlines, it leads to bigger deals happening in the summer, and I feel like there's a possibility that could occur in the summer, even if nothing happens. Now, we'll certainly wait to see. And again, I do think that it's probably a 50-50 chance a smaller scale move is made, but I do think that there is action and conversations going on right now that could play a part in something bigger and something significant and a move that would clearly show... The Grizzlies are really ready to open up that contention window starting next year. There is a legitimate possibility some type of move on that level could happen this summer. But of course, while we speculate and we could talk about trades all day, and we certainly will over the next two weeks as the trade deadline comes on, as Jaron Jackson Jr. said, the main focus right now is winning every game possible, and the Grizzlies have a very winnable game against the Washington Wizards tonight. I'll discuss that in just a moment, but before we do, I want to talk with you about one option that you can always rely on, and that certainly is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast, have it in the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to enjoy it, Built Bar is going to make your day better, and if you go to Build.com right now, not only can you choose from over 18 different flavors to enjoy, you also can put in the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Make sure you check out Built.com and Bilt Bar today. Certainly can't thank you enough for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day. And obviously on Monday, we'll have a reaction to the game against the Washington Wizards. And we'll also discuss what the Grizzlies' outlook looks like for the month of February. After surviving, and I mean surviving, but also thriving, In the month of January, not only will we discuss just how historic of a month of January it's been for players like John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., but we'll also take a look at the month of February leading up to the All-Star break, a schedule that gets much more manageable in terms of the level of competition. That and much more on Monday's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. But breaking down the game tonight against the Wizards as far as who's available and who's not. Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson were both in attendance at last night's game. And and typically that's an indication that both would have been questionable and potentially available for tonight's game. But the way that the uh, injury report looks, Kyle Anderson is questionable and he potentially could be available tonight. You know, we've seen the Grizzlies hold some players out. The first game that they're back from COVID protocols, we've seen other players when it comes to the Grizzlies who have been immediately available without minutes restrictions, such as we saw Desmond Bain earlier this week. But Kyle Anderson is likely... I think that there is a good chance Kyle Anderson plays tonight... Tyus Jones remains out. Obviously, Dylan Brooks is out. Also, Zaire Williams is potentially doubtful with left knee soreness. Hopefully, that's nothing, you know, a major concern, especially with how well Zaire Williams has been playing as of late. But also, many rightfully had speculated that John Morant probably deserves a little bit of time off as well. And I think that he's going to get that time off at some point. You know, we saw back a few weeks ago that he was out for the game against the Clippers when the Grizzlies traveled out to L.A. I I think that John Morant, though he probably is not going to be the biggest supporter of it, I think either you know a bit you know less minutes if the Grizzlies were to get out to big leads, or in general uh, just a day off. I think that you may start to see tonight uh, a move towards John Morant kind of lining his his load lighting. He he's taking on a lighter load when it comes to minutes. So the Grizzlies can start to get him a bit of rest as they go through, you know, kind of a, you know, the, the stretch of the season where it, it becomes a grind. The Grizzlies are going to be on the road more. This is a part of the season, again, that not many of these young players have experienced more than last year at the most. And so while John Moran's still probably going to get 30 minutes a game and you, and you want to play him as much as possible, and he wants to play as much as possible, his rest and overall conditioning isn't that big of a concern. You also want to be mindful of how much basketball. He has played in 2021, and make sure you keep him as fresh as possible. Well, with the Washington Wizards coming into the FedEx Forum tonight to play against the Grizzlies, on paper, this should seem like another game where the Grizzlies should be able to set the tone early and figure out a way to get the lead and keep the lead in order to win the game. But the Washington Wizards, even though they have been struggling as of late, there's going to be some extra motivation on their end. And a couple of other factors that really play into their benefit tonight is that the Wizards have not played since Tuesday night. They've had three days off uh, without playing basketball. And on and last Tuesday night, the Washington Wizards were on the losing end of the second biggest comeback, 35 points in NBA history, when they lost 116 115 to the Los Angeles Clippers. So they were three and five on their homestand. After a hot start to the season, they've kind of struggled over the past five to six weeks. They were 3-5 and on their homestand. They had that embarrassing loss on Tuesday night. They've had three days off. This Washington Wizards team is going to be highly motivated to put together a very good performance tonight to kind of reset the tone for their season. And The other thing is, is that they do not currently have any injuries, so they are going to be able to rely on their depth. So this is probably going to be a tougher challenge for those reasons, for logical reasons, even if logic may suggest the Grizzlies should have a bit of an easier time than most getting a victory tonight with with how much better they look on paper than the Wizards. But that doesn't mean that the Grizzlies don't have clear ways in which they can be able to take advantage. One big area... That's going to impact tonight's game is which team can shoot the three better. So far in January, the Grizzlies are dead last in the NBA in three-pointers made point per game. 9.4 threes. The Washington Wizards are much better. They're tied for second to last in the NBA with 10 made threes per game. But so that means that whichever team were to get hot from beyond the arc, that certainly helps out their chances to win. But The Grizzlies, and unlike last time, unlike the last time this Grizzlies and Wizards team played, which I believe was the sixth or seventh game of the year, and the Wizards were able to win in the nation's capital by 28, the Grizzlies right now, the number one paint-scoring team in the NBA, the Wizards are second to last in terms of opponents' two-point field goal percentage. In other words, unlike last time, where it appeared that the Grizzlies should have the advantage to dominate in the paint and get the win, the Grizzlies do clearly have that advantage this time. But they've got to do it. They've got to do it. If the Grizzlies can simply continue to get into the lane, get high percentage shot at the rim consistently, show their resourcefulness in terms of drawing fouls, which, by the way, the Wizards are in the bottom five of the league in terms of free throws allowed per game. If the Grizzlies can do those simple factors... They should be able to open up enough looks from three to where you're not going to have to attempt 35 to 43 tonight, but you should be able to make it the double digits to support a great effort in the paint to get the victory. That's something that should be open to the possibility of happening for the Grizzlies. And another thing that stands out is that Washington is last in the NBA in the month of January in terms of, uh, of steals per game. At 5.6, the Grizzlies lead the NBA in steals and blocks per game. Plus, obviously, they likely are going to have the rebound advantage tonight as well. The point is, is that beyond the Grizzlies' ability to produce in the paint against a team that's not that good at stopping production in the paint, the Grizzlies should also have the opportunity to get extra possessions through causing turnovers and getting offensive rebounds. So there is so the remedy to success tonight is simply the Grizzlies sticking with the game plan that's consistently helped them win games over the last 2 months. But it's simply going to have to be playing efficient basketball. It's going to be ha- it's going to take everybody contributing on both ends of the court. Because you're going to see Washington be the more rested team. I'm not going to say they're the more motivated team, though they have plenty of motivation. But the Grizzlies are going to have to play, you know, good basketball tonight. Even though it may seem like a game where the Grizzlies could have a large margin for error, I don't think that's going to be the case. Memphis is going to have to play efficient basketball. But if it can get into the lane, it can draw fouls, it can get those second chance opportunities. Off of that, find some good looks from three and hit their shots. But also be the more opportunistic defense I think Memphis should be able to get to win the night. Thanks so much for joining us here on this special Saturday edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. We'll be back with you Monday on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. Whatever platform you choose will be free there. Make sure to check out Locked On Grizz on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC. My name's Sean Coleman. Always a pleasure and hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.